Okay, well, welcome to the Worldview at the Abbey podcast. This is obviously a publication of Worldview at the Abbey, and we're podcasting from on location, so Canyon City, Colorado, and we're here today with faculty member Micah Gibson. Say hi, Micah. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. And we're going to be talking today a little bit about you, Micah, because you just came here full-time in January, and you'll be with us the rest of this year, and then you'll start teaching actually next year. And so we're just going to talk a little bit about some of your background and a little bit about how Christian worldview uh, applies to what you studied in college and things of that nature that we talked about earlier. So, Sounds good. Sound good? Yep. So tell us about yourself. Where are you from? What's your connection with worldview? What's your story? Gladly. Uh, I'm from Pensacola, Florida originally, a uh, Navy family, so bounced around a little bit, but Pensacola, Florida is home. And my connection to worldview is through my dad. He found an advertisement for Worldview in Worldview Academy in World Magazine. And after doing a little bit more exploration and research into what the organization was, uh, decided that my brother, who's a little older than me, was going to go to camp that summer and offered me the opportunity to either tag along with him that year or attend later. But uh, the, it was very clear that I was going to be going to camp. And as he described what worldview was, I was decidedly uninterested. I was not very <laughs> eager to, to go spend a week of my summer uh, at a camp that I just connected very strongly with school. But uh, didn't have a choice in the matter, so got in the car and ended up, uh, ended up at Wake Forest University for my first year of camp, and through that week fell in love with the organization and what they were teaching. Ended up be uh, coming back as a student for three more years so was a four-year student and at the end of my time as a student applied to staff and was given the opportunity to staff for two summers the summers of 2009 and 2010 primarily on the east coast but uh, yeah so that's my initial I guess connection to worldview and then after that, working uh, with the individuals and getting to know the faculty and the other staffers that I worked with, um, building and maintaining those relationships resulted in uh, kind of a long story of me coming back to the Abbey to, to work here and uh, teach again. So Yeah, and that story, I was going to say, tell that, a little bit of that story, because okay. you were connected with Jeff, and you taught with him at his school here in Canyon City, right? Yes. And now, so you come full circle and you're back in Canyon City. Yes. So, so yeah. uh, met Jeff my first summer working and uh, basically was like a lost puppy following him around. But um, <laughs> The dream of so many students. I know, I know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, just was he was gracious enough to take some time to invest in me and um, so founded that relationship that first summer working with camp. And then as I started wrapping up my college career my senior year decided that teaching was something that I would potentially like to explore and I knew that if I was going to take a plunge into teaching that the context I wanted to do it in was a classical environment and I knew that Jeff had a school in Colorado and so I reached out to him and in a kind of a roundabout way sent him an email saying hey would you be willing to you know talk to me about what teaching in a classical environment would look like and fired it with my fingers crossed that it would work out for me to actually partner with him and that did thankfully happen 
And so I taught with him for a year. I uh, taught history and logic at uh, Steadfast Christian Classical School in Canyon City here. And then uh, eventually moved on to, to pursue uh, some other interests. But now I'm back, back in Colorado, yeah. hopefully. Yeah, and yeah, we're glad to have you. So what we wanted to talk about today is uh, a little bit of your background in that you studied history in college. Correct. Right. And so, and you taught history at Steadfast. Yep. And so we were just having a little bit of a discussion earlier about what what that looks like and, and just in terms of a Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. So yep. what, so yeah, talk to me about that. Like what, how does a Christian view history? Because usually I think of history as being primarily informational, mm-hmm. right? And you can... And there's more to it than that, and I think I know that intuitively a little bit because of my worldview training, but usually I don't think of it as very much having, I don't know, being too complicated in terms of Christian worldview. But as we were talking, I just was noticing there's a lot more to it than I thought. Yes, uh, there is a huge element, like, I mean, like worldview is going to make the claim, and I would 100% agree with, worldview is the foundation for every part of our lives and it comes down to everything that we touch and everything that we study and history is a part of the human human existence if you if you want to even use that terminology but uh so worldview is going to touch it and so from a christian perspective of history um some people might maybe quibble with me a little bit but my my view is that as far as what history, what Christianity brings to the table when looking at history, the two biggest things that it tells is that history has a purpose, number one, and that history is narrative. And what I'll, I'll tackle the first, the second part first. History isn't simply information, like you like you alluded to. History is about stories. I mean, no one would look at their own life and their own personal history or their own personal present experience as simply information that they're being bombarded with, right? It's, it's experiences. It's, it's me or you walking and living a life and that's in front of us and hopefully doing so in a manner that's pleasing to God. And so simply reducing history to rote information like names, dates, and places while doing that removes that human element that narrative element of these were real people that lived this was these were real people that had conflict and doubts and you know triumphs and uh, experienced real emotions and had to wrestle with the things that they're memorable for so I mean George Washington had to make a decision when he decided to not pursue a third term as president I mean that's anecdotally interesting to history that he made that decision but there was a real individual that really agonized over that choice and what was what he thought was ultimately best for the nation and that that's a simple example but simply viewing history in that kind of clinical way of uh, reducing it to again road information removes that narrative from the from the study and that's important for Christians to recognize, I think, because we believe in a God that's ultimately interested in the day-to-day lives of his creation, and that is fundamentally and inescapably a part of that story. I mean, history is the work of God in humanity mm-hmm. if you, uh, at a fundamental level. It's, it's mm-hmm. the record of 
God's plan being worked out in his timeline. Uh, that connecting that brings us back to the first point in terms of there, there's a purpose to it. History isn't simply a random collection of events that has evolutionarily spawned in the, the direction that we have recorded. I mean, there's a divine purpose and appointment to human history. And so looking back on it, looking back and studying what humans have gone through, the, the decisions that have been made, good or ill, not only was there was God influencing and God working in that time, but there's a reason that we have this kind of natural drive to look backward and to try and strive to seek lessons in past history. And again, um, reducing it to that clinical level removes that uh, purpose from it as well. Yeah, I don't think it's something that we should look at as uh, dry or meaningless or remote or removed from our day-to-day experiences. I'm firmly convinced that if you don't like studying history, you simply haven't found the topic or the period or the person that is uh, connects with you in a meaningful way because to prove that, I would just ask who likes talking about themselves. Everybody And everything that you would say in that conversation is personal history. So you at least are interested in your own experiences yeah. and experiences of those <clears throat> closest to you. So whether or not you enjoy you know, Byzantine or Roman history is, is irrelevant. Okay, so maybe don't read that, but go and find something that you do connect with in a more, uh, more personal way. Yeah, and that's a, great, that's a great point because I think that I did think about history in that way for a really long time in kind of that rote review way. But then a few years ago, I started reading biographies Mm -hmm. and I just really fell in love with having that ability because you get that picture of the person usually when reading a biography. You have to be careful about the author's bias or perspective in that. Um, But at the same time, you, you do, when you're studying a biography, you can look at these monumental events in history and you see one person's emotions and thoughts and everything surrounding them in that moment in history. And that makes for the holistic view of history because just like you said, it's a human experience. Yeah, that's a great point. And something else I was just thinking of was that history is is really essential to, uh, I think, specifically the human experience, right? There's no other species that keeps a record that we know of Correct. of their history. And so everything else that they know of is or that other species learn is essentially instinctual. Yes. Um, and we have the ability to keep hundreds or thousands of years of records that we have the ability to learn from um, and study and just know things about that is not available to any other species in the world. Uh, just to play off of that point, one of, the, one of my favorite stories in the Bible plays to that in terms of um, we're the only creature that God created that sets up monuments hmm. to remember things and remember history and the the story that i love in the bible is the story of the israelites coming out of the wilderness and into canaan and the first thing that god has them do once they cross the jordan while it's still piled up and blocked off he has them or he has joshua command the people to go back into the river and grab stones out of it to represent the tribes and build a monument and he explains why and so when your children 
in later generations see these stones, you will be able to tell them, this is the spot. This is where God brought us out of the wilderness and fulfilled his promise to us to give us a land and make us a, make us a nation. And this is where it happened. We can go back to this spot and remember it. And we, I mean, that's what monuments are for. That's what Plymouth Rock is for. That's what, I mean, whatever, that, that's what headstones are for in graveyards. It's a monument to that person and that person's life and everything that they accomplished. And uh, I think it's important. And I mean, I think in, at least to a degree, God thought it was important enough to build a monument to recall the good things that he had done for the people of Israel at that point. So I, I, you're right to draw out that, yeah, we're the one part of God's creation that does participate in this uh, preservation and appreciation of their own past. Yeah, and that's a great point too because when you think about monuments, usually you don't set one up for just anything. You set one up for special events. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a memory that you come back to. And so I was just thinking as you kind of were mentioning that about Washington, D.C. and how as you walk around Washington, D.C., I mean, it's full of monuments. Yep. And it, but Washington, D.C. is such a special place because it try, you try to remember it has all these monuments set up to go back to the foundations of our country, but it is also the place from which we go forward, right, yes. in our policy. And so it's like the, here's where all these foundations are, and here's also this place from which we go forward. We go forward from these foundations. Ideally, yeah, uh, right. Ideally, <laughs> you, should, you should see it as okay. This is the context for which we make future decisions, right? right. At least, like, yeah, look at these these great moments or these great individuals or these great decisions of the past, and use those to enlighten future deci- decisions that have to be made. And D.C. is a great example because you're right. I mean, it's basically just a huge museum that you can live in and work in and mm-hmm. to walk around. And there's so much there. Right. But even on that note, we were talking about earlier, you know, if, if your monuments are the things that you come back to and you set up as things to remember purposefully, right, that's the good idea within worldview, right, yes. uh, and especially of doing that within Christian worldview, but then there's the flip side of the coin, right? And we were just talking about, like, what, what are some negative views? And you mentioned historical relativism. Yeah, uh, that's that's an easy one to run to with the influence of postmodernism on the culture um, in the same way that Christianity is going to, should, per, uh, influence and touch every part of your life as a Christian. If you buy into... A different worldview, specifically for this example, a postmodernistic worldview that questions reality itself, that is going to influence the way that you see history. And the historical community sees this in a catastrophic undermining of its own ability to function. And I think you, I mean, postmodernism is self destructive in everything that it touches, but the historical community sees this in uh, its inability to actually justify studying the past or putting together any kind of meaningful reason to study the past, or in then taking that further, undermining established and well-understood, well-accepted historical fact. And the, if you are maybe wondering where I'm going with this or an example, the, the best example that I can think of is 
historians that will publicly deny that the Holocaust ever existed, right. ever ever occurred. Yeah, that just will, seems beyond me. Yeah, that will see concentration camps in Germany and Poland and uh, Eastern Europe and just utterly deny the fact that millions upon millions of people lost their lives at the hands of a political regime in the mid-1940s. Right. That that just didn't happen or that, I mean, it's some kind of conspiracy or whatever. And to the ability to convince yourself of that and then be willing to present that opinion and that position in the face of the enormous amount of historical evidence to the contrary, I mean, they have no ground to stand on other than their worldview presuppositions. Right. I mean, it's absolutely indefensible. Yes. Essentially. From a, from a historical perspective. And yet right. these are well, I mean, well, well respected is maybe a generous uh, way to describe them, but they are members of the historical community and they're taken seriously, at least to the degree that, all right, well, we have to answer this guy Yeah. and we have to say, no, you're crazy and you're wrong and this is why, but still you've, you've commanded a degree of the conversation toward it, at least answering your position. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, that, yeah. I was just going to say, in, in terms of circling back to what we talked about earlier too, as humans being essentially the only species that has the ability to do what we can, mm-hmm. it, it's, it just seems crazy that you wouldn't take the opportunity to learn from your past. And especially with a postmodern perspective, uh, and, and, relativistic perspective of worldview looking at history and saying okay there's all these things that have happened and there's all these lessons and stories that we can see but we're not going to learn anything from them or we're not going to judge any of them as being right or wrong essentially means that you shouldn't even have been keeping history the whole time exactly i mean if if you've not if you don't intend to learn something from it there's no purpose for history it is Again, if, if you take that perspective, then you have removed what we started with. You've removed the narrative and you've removed the purpose and you're only left with the dates and the names and the places. And does it really, or to what degree does the fact that the English defeated the Spanish Armada in 1588, like what degree does that information impact my life? Not very much in terms of like that rote information. However, the fact that that defeat of the Spanish Armada preserved English independence in a large way and prevented the Spanish from potentially overrunning uh, England, creating a scenario where England could rise to be a major Protestant power, colonizing the North American continent and giving rise to the American experiment. Like that's what flows when you see it from a Christian perspective and you see you're willing to acknowledge the hand of God and the miraculous in events like that where it's like, I mean, you can go back and you can trace the historical reasons of, okay, this is, this is what gave the English the advantage, but the Christian is also going to come from the perspective of, I mean, that, that's largely a miracle. Yeah. That, that's the hand of God working in the, in the human experience to accomplish a good that pays off centuries later. Yeah, and the consequences of it were. I mean, you and I are living right now mm-hmm. in the sense that America exists and the modern world was directed to take the shape that it actually did. Right. In terms of the Spanish Armada, we could never really know 
what would have happened if the Spanish Armada had won, but you can look back and see, gosh, because of that not happening, you can see where we are today. This is a direct consequence. Right. Yeah, the, the counterfactual what-if game is endlessly fascinating, but ultimately it's ultimately as interesting as, as it would be to consider what if the Spanish win that, that naval engagement or if Napoleon is victorious at Waterloo or like what happens if John Adams isn't in the picture during the revolutionary period, what, I mean, yeah. whatever, right. whatever you want to say as the, what if those are fascinating, but to me personally, like the, the actual true account of what did happen is even more interesting because again, going back to like, these are real individuals. This is a real person that struggled with, emotional conflict probably in terms of having the courage to make a right decision or what was it what character flaw influenced them to make a poor one and just trying to not necessarily psychoanalyze or try and get in the head of everybody that you study but just make more meaningful connections to the fact that people lived this history Mm -hmm. i mean there was some there's hundreds of sailors that we'll never know the names of that served on those vessels yeah. and either gave their lives for their cause or experienced the joy of victory or you know tragedy of defeat and just realizing that and appreciating that those people had lives and just i don't know i find it fascinating and i understand yeah. that not the everybody, human element not everybody buys into uh history in the same uh passion that i do but i I think coming at it from a Christian perspective helps appreciate that part of it and also helps emphasize it as well. Yeah. And in my mind, it helps you look for it too. You you look for those things where it's the guiding hand of God mm-hmm. kind of hidden uh, to those people around it at times. Which so. for those of you interested potentially in studying history at some point, just be aware that that's not really accepted in oh, yeah. the historical no community, way. unfortunately. <laughs> but... Uh, it, I mean, again, it's so worth your time to, to pursue after history. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks, Micah. Um, I guess that'll be all for today. But thanks for stopping by. Thanks and for having me. Appreciate yeah, it. you bet. And uh, if you haven't been to our website, those of you who are listening yet, our website is worldviewbridgeyear.com. And so feel free to go check that out. Um, and we, you can hear from us again next time.